Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. ESPN Radio. Do I ESPN Radio? I got one good Coolio story. That's it. Once upon a time, it was like 2007, 2008, we took a road trip down to Denver to watch the Denver Nuggets when they had Carmelo Anthony and Allen Iverson play LeBron James when, they, uh, when he was playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers. That itself was awesome. But then we got an impromptu Coolio show at halftime. We had no idea we were going to this. And then all of a sudden, there's Coolio. So that was pretty funny. We're doing all sorts of jack jams today because I heard a bunch of jack jams at the arena on Saturday night. And it's got it stuck in my head. So if you're wondering why we're playing weird, corny 1990s hip-hop, that's why. Welcome back. is now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MTA. Appreciate you for tuning in here uh, on this Monday. We'll take away a, a step away from the sporting world, but not really. It's our Big Sky Documentary Film Festival coverage. We'll have Big Sky Doc Fest interviews throughout the week. Uh, wonderful time of year here, here in Missoula. So if you can, uh, just go to the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival website, bigskyfilmfest.org. There's all sorts of stuff you can go watch. You can also stream it, most of them, online to your house as well. So if there's one that maybe falls in the middle of your work day or something, you can still find a way uh, to check it out. And this one, this is a cool one because I think not only does it have to do with sports, this film that debuts here in uh, a little less than an hour, world premiere here uh, in Missoula, but also I think there's going to be some parallels to uh, sports, particularly football, on the Indian reservations here in Montana as well. So we're joined by a couple filmmakers. Charles Frank and Fritz Bitsui. Did I say it right? Did I get it right, Fritz? Yeah, that's yeah, good. That's correct. Good. Yes, yeah, good. I'm glad. Uh, my last name has been butchered my whole life as well. Uh, Frank is a little bit easier. So. Very easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to town, first and foremost. So these Thank guys you. are the directors uh, of the film that debuts here at the Wilma at 5:45. It's called Through the Storm. Here's the brief synopsis. This is about the Red Lake Nation the Ojibwa High School football team, and despite dwindling interest in a two-decade-long losing record, a determined coach and a group of young athletes fight to keep their football program alive. So first of all, where are you guys from? Are you guys from the Midwest? No, not at all. I, I grew up in Massachusetts, oh, nice. but I now live in Portland, Oregon. Okay, cool. Yeah. And how about you? Yeah, I'm originally from um, Gallup, Gallup, New Mexico, from the Navajo Reservation. Um, I'm also Diné or Navajo myself, um, but recently I relocated to the uh, Los Angeles area. Oh, nice. My, so my family's from Sedona, Arizona, so I, I know uh, the, your neck of the woods. Yeah, my father's family is close to Flagstaff, Arizona. Oh, cool. Very nice. Yeah. Okay, uh, very good. Well, um, just uh, I guess either one of you can take this off the top. Just start with the sort of the motivation for this thing. Obviously, it uh, seems like a, an intriguing subject to be sure. So uh, where did you guys get the, the motivation for this film? I think we can probably hand this off to um, Charles, I think. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it started with just the general idea that I wanted to make a sports doc but um, I wasn't exactly sure on what, and I was searching around for stories, and I, I came across this article by the Star Tribune, um, and it was written by Chip Scoggins, and it was this amazing portrait of uh, this football team that hadn't won a game in over 20 years, 
um, and and kind of why. Oh, wow. So this isn't just a losing record. This is a no wins record. No win. No oh, wins record. Yeah. Okay. So they've they've lost for over 20 years, but they keep going, and it was sort of a piece about why they they do that. And I I just felt like there was more to be discovered in that story, and and I wanted to expand upon it. And I reached out to the coach, um, coach. Uh, Nolan Desjardins, and and uh, he got back to me pretty quickly, and within a week we flew out there just to to meet him and say hi and spend some time on the Red Lake Reservation, and we kind of fell in love with it and decided um, we wanted to just spend more time there in this beautiful place and and spend more time with the people we met and with Nolan and learn more and and Fritz joined on the project like soon after that first trip and. And that was the start of it, but I don't know if you. Yeah, it, uh, when when Charles reached out to me with this um, with, with this uh, project, I think what really excited me was, you know, since I'm also Native American, um, it was really important to me, and um, of, of like you know, not not what stories are told, but especially how they're told. And um, something really excited me about um, a team like you know I I naturally always cheer for the underdogs, and. Um, there's also something very, I don't know, in a way, kind of a metaphor for like the Native American experience of like sure. of like you know where many don't see us kind of destined to win in a way, but we still show up to fight anyway. We still we still want to take part. And there was something about you know um, you know in my culture like we we actively practice gratitude, and like that's something I wanted to really contribute to the project was, you know, where, where do we find like these little minor victories? Cause honestly, if it's, if winning's not the point for this team, sure. which obviously it doesn't really seem to be, maybe coach Nolan is giving something to these kids. That's, that's deeper than just chasing a, a, a win. Well, very cool. Uh, Charles Frank Fritz Bitsui here in studio with us. The film through the storm debuts at the big sky documentary film festival this evening. Uh, actually hearing about, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes down at the uh, the Wilma. So we're going right up to it. So we'll get these guys out of here soon. Uh, but uh, to put this into context, the Ojibwe, uh, the, the the Red Lake Nation, this is uh, Minneapolis, right? That sort of area north of. Yeah. So this is like northern uh, America, right, up against the Canadian border. Yeah, that's right. So one thing that we talk about with the reservations in Montana is so – so much for, for a lot of times, unfortunately, of, of the tribe's destiny is determined by the land that they were given. Some of the, the Native American tribes in Montana got like Glacier National Park and the Flathead Lake. That's a pretty good piece of land. And then there's others that maybe the land is not nearly as fertile or it's way more isolated, or way more desolate. What's this land like and how does that maybe affect the, uh, the, the people that live on it? Um, well, I think with the Red Lake Nation, like they... There, um, you know, there, there's bodies of water everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think uh, one of the stories we heard about why they call it Red Lake was because there was sort of a last stand, so to speak, about um, how the Ojibwe people, um, you know, continue to fight in in the midst of um, colonization and 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 how in those battles, like the water had turned red, and is wow. it's, it's pretty metal actually. But <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I think they just have so much water, and, and that's reflected in like the the height of the trees, you know, and, and just how much wilderness is out there. Um, but it, it, it is very kind of a secluded area. Um, I think there was one restaurant that had opened up like last summer. That, yeah, it was the first one. Yeah, and then besides that, there's probably like a subway and gas stations, you know. Um, but every, everyone there was just like so kind and so excited for us to be there and um, uh, just taking really great interest in like what what story we were trying to tell and um, very welcoming. So I, I yeah. definitely want to extend my thanks to the Red Lake community. They were like 
super accommodating. So nice. Yeah. And it was just a be- I mean, the landscape was gorgeous. Like, the trees, the lake was so big. It looked like the ocean. Like, you couldn't even see the other side. It was this giant, giant lake. And there's the, the walleye in, in the lake that, they're, that they fish. And, um, yeah, there was abund- abundance there, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a really special place. We kind of fell in love with just spending time there. We ended up spending maybe four weeks. <laughs> yeah. There was, also, there was also a really funny loophole we, we learned about in terms of like hunting, hunting season where, okay. um, it's, where it turns out that if they, they can hunt from their vehicles. <laughs> so wow. they, they'll drive around and, you know, um, and try to, and try to find game out there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that was I didn't know you could do that. Oh. You could do that. <laughs> oh, wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, I ask uh, filmmakers this every year, but I have to ask you guys this. What do you think of now this thing being put on the big screen? Obviously, you're very happy about this, but how are you guys feeling here, you know, half an hour before this thing goes live for its world premiere? Uh, I feel so excited. Um, I mean, I, this is my first time at Big Sky, and so far, like, it's just such a um, friendly place. Like, everybody's been so welcoming, and 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 the audiences have been awesome. The other filmmakers are great. Um and just being able to see it on the big screen, I mean, we've seen it, like, so many times on our laptop, on our phones. Like, <laughs> we've seen it in every way except the big screen. So I think it'll be, like, a totally new experience for us. But. So Yeah, totally. And this this is actually my, um, you know, um, I'm grateful that this, this will be my, the second project that I've been able to show at Big Sky. And it, it was a film festival that I you know, was one of the first ones that I had discovered such a strong uh, Native community within, you know, within like even like Neotero and like the Fourth World Fellowship, which I was a part of the cohort last year. And so it was really amazing to come from like California where I don't really see a lot of Natives around and to come to this film festival and see such great interest in not only showcasing our films at Big Sky, but also taking them to schools and seeing the, the and how they um, integrate within the curriculum um, Native um, history, which was like incredible to experience that. So I think above all, like when um, Charles and I were having a conversation about how we were going to approach the story, we definitely did have this kind of mantra or this kind of guiding light of like this, we want to treat this like a gift to the community. You know, like because they're in it and because they're always going to be in some way tied to this film, we want to ensure that when they can watch it, like 10 years from now, they'll be like, oh, wasn't that cool when that film came out? And we just want it to be something that they can like share together and that they can be proud of as well. And I, I, I'm, I'm really excited for everyone to see it tonight. Fritz Bitsui, Charles Frank in studio with us, directors of Through the Storm, which is a film, uh, a short. This is uh, one of the, the shorts that will debut here at the Big Sky Doc Fest. 5.45 at the Wilma tonight. Can't make it down tonight. Wednesday at 3 p.m. at the Roxy as well. And you can also stream it uh, all week long at the BigSkyFilmFest.org website. Uh, last couple of things for you guys. Uh, first of all, I got homework for you. Watch Native Ball, which is about uh, the legacy of Malia Kip. She was a, a Lady Grizz player. The University of Montana is here in Missoula. You guys have probably learned. And uh, she was the first uh, Blackfeet uh, tribe member to play for the Lady Grizz. And it blazed this trail of then all these great Native American women that have come and played basketball here in Missoula. It debuted at the Doc Fest last year, so I think you guys would both uh, appreciate it. But that then leads me to my my next question is, um, and I've, I've thought about this so much, actually the thing that inspired me to be a sports writer once upon a time was the article by Gary Smith in a 1992 Sports Illustrated called Shadows of a Nation, and it was all about uh, basketball and the Crow Reservation. All, the central figure was a young man named Jonathan Takes Enemy, who was one of the great Native players in the history of the state of Montana, but 
he had this this tragic demise. He went to college. He couldn't. He he just had all these falling outs, and he ended up dying a tragic death when he was in his mid twenties. But the story was sort of all about the phenomenon of basketball, especially in in Montana on reservations, and sort of the coming of age ceremony that's associated with that. Did you guys find similar parallels uh, on this reservation with this story, even though it's it's football rather than basketball? Hmm. Um. Maybe not. Yeah, the, maybe not I mean, the tragedy, but I mean, you mentioned like you have to find the moments of gratitude, right? Because if it's just about the wins, then what are we doing, right? There's other things that you're learning from all of this. Yeah. Well, I mean, basketball certainly is on the Red Lake Reservation the sport. I mean, we heard totally. that over is, is, and over is that somewhere on this reservation as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was yeah. definitely the case. I mean, I think that was the main reason that this football team hasn't been winning is because there weren't there haven't historically been very many players to play right. on the team. I mean they they've played many games where they have 12 ga- kids for an 11 man football oh, game. Man. So they're playing both sides of the ball. There's no subs. I mean that's why they're not winning. It's not because there's not talent. Sure. Um, and so yeah, it, I think it's a struggle for Nolan and and the kids to recruit players to come and, and be a part of the team, but the kids that are there are really, you know, dedicated and and their attitude is just so beautiful i mean it was a lesson for me of just you know finding ways to to persevere and and be a part of of something greater than yourself and um and you know not be so fixated on the the end goal of winning sure but just enjoying the journey along with your friends and having a good time and I mean, one of my favorite moments in the film, small spoiler, but uh, they, they lose a game and you see them getting beat up and, and really getting hit hard. And at the end of the game, one of the kids just said, man, that was fun as hell. And it was just like, it was so like heartwarming. It wasn't the response I was expecting at all after watching that game because on the field we were like, dang, they're getting beat up. You know, they're. I only got eleven guys. So, yeah, yeah it, was, it, it was really tough to be there with with cameras and and, sure. and and to feel bad as just as if it's like, what are really what are we getting? You know, like sure. like it, it felt exploitive in a way. Sure. You know, and it was hard to see these kids in pain and and it was funny at the end of the game like they they had this whole different attitude about it about like that was fun and and uh, just just seeing how. The, the 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 brothership that ex- the brothership that, ex- that that the brotherhood that exists within this team and and how they see Nolan and and learning from these kids that maybe from basketball a lot of them are hoping to get um, seen by recruit uh, recruiters you know like like that's kind of their avenue or ticket to getting to college and so a lot of them maybe it's not even the aspirations of going pro maybe it's just if I can get my tuition taken care of then maybe that'll get me out sure and and um. And even that whole narrative about getting out and leaving the reservation, um, I, I found a lot of um, a lot of the kids who were very proud to 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 be a part of the community and and that didn't share that narrative of like, oh, in order to be successful, I have to leave and go out. And but instead, it was like, I want to go out and do some cool stuff so that way I can come back and like share that with the new generation of kids who are getting older. And that was. Um, Really special to see that. Well, it's a film worth watching for sure. If you have the time tonight, head on down to Wilma. You got about 30 minutes to get there. Uh, the story of the Red Lake Nation, the Ojibwa tribe uh, there. Am I missing it? 
Oh, and you can, yeah, you can go again uh, to, on Wednesday at 3 p.m., and you can also uh, stream it uh, online as well uh, all week long, BigSkyFilmFest.org. Thanks for the assist, Nick Davis. <laughs> Nick Davis will be providing us interviews uh, all week long, but this is, a, this is a good one and uh, certainly one with a lot of parallels to Montana. So congratulations, guys. It's cool, and uh, best of luck. I hope it goes well tonight. Thanks so much. Thanks for the time. Yeah, it. thanks for having us. Appreciate uh, it. Of course. Uh, we got big news here in Missoula. The defensive coordinator... For the University of Montana football team, he's out. He's on his way to the NFL. What does it mean for Grizz football? We shall discuss. That's next. Keep it right here. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. And Dwight, your father founded Schulte Law Firm in 1987 and since then has mediated more than 3,000 family law and divorce cases. Why is he so good at that sort of law? Well, he is a smart and patient man. A lot of situations where you find yourself in need of attorney are a high conflict situation. And it's really important. And it's a a tenet of our firm that we work through litigious issues in a collaborative way. It's important at Schulte Law Firm that when we're litigating these very serious issues that impact people's lives, that we do so in a way that provides the best representation and the best result to our clients. And what we have found is that the best way to do that is to litigate these issues effectively while doing so with a high degree of professionalism. We can have these disagreements without making it personal. Visit jshultylaw.com. One, two, three. Nuan is now on ESPN Radio. I got to tell you, I just love doing those Big Sky Doc Fest interviews. I say it every year, but it, it's just, uh, first of all, I just think that the cultivation and then uh, sharing of, of pertinent information is so important. And I know we find ourselves watching and listening to so much content these days and it seems to me that so much of what we spend our time consuming lacks depth and breadth and intellect and education and culture and so many things so if you have some time and you want to learn about something that could benefit your life i think pretty much every one of the films that'll be showing at the big sky doc fest uh, all week long is worth your time. You can always watch online as well all week long at BigSkyFilmFest.org. Welcome back. Nuance Now, ESPN Radio. The film we just helped preview, Through the Storm, which is a film about the Red Lake Nation Ojibwa high school football team. They haven't won a game in 20-plus years. No wins. But they have a determined coach and a group of young athletes fighting to keep their football program alive. That de- film debuts here in about 20 minutes down at the Wilma, but you can also find a screening at 3 p.m. at the Roxy on Wednesday, and you can stream it again, BigSkyFilmFest.org, all week long. One last Monday afternoon quarterback, Sands Coach Marty. Coach Marty's not in studio with us, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully he will be back next season. Probably presented by Stockman Bank. The Monday afternoon quarterback is Montana's brand of NFL, and uh, Stockman Bank is Montana's brand of banking. The news of the day here in Missoula, 
Ronnie Bradford headed to the NFL. He's the defensive coordinator for a single year here at uh, the University of Montana. He's been on Bobby Houck's coaching staff for the last three years, but he's a guy that played for 10 years in the NFL and then coached for another seven years in the NFL before getting into the college ranks. I am unsurprised by this. I figured, I mean, when you got a guy who has Ronnie Bradford's resume, I mean, he played in the Super Bowl and not just was on a team that was in the Super Bowl. He was a starting player. He intercepted John Elway in the Super Bowl in 1998 for the Atlanta Falcons. He's a absolutely reputable, like known NFL player. Like when he when he first came to Montana as the corners coach, I totally remember Ronnie Bradford. His last season of his NFL career, he played for the Minnesota Vikings. I remember playing as him in Madden when I was a kid. And so, you know, I was like, when I first met him, I was like, hey man, I I I know you. You played for the Vikings. And he's like, oh yeah. It's like I love my year in Minnesota. Anyways, uh, Ronnie Bradford has such a, a NFL-style resume, an NFL-style personality, and an NFL-style coaching style that I'm unsurprised that he's headed to the NFL. He's going to the Miami Dolphins to be a special uh, a special teams assistant. The things about this that were a little surprising were, and I had heard that Ronnie Bradford was moving on. I had had a hard time, though, pinning down the where and, you know, you never want to report a scoop and have it be wrong. I had heard he'd been being courted by uh, a couple SEC programs, a Big Ten program, and also various NFL programs, but didn't know where. Well, now he's headed to Miami, so the where was defined. But this news was broken by Adam Schefter. So I don't know if that's a first, but it's certainly a rarity that Shefty is breaking news about the University of Montana. <laughs> the, uh, the mentions... On Schefter's tweet that broke the news were pretty funny as well. There's people like, well, who's this guy? Why why this guy? And then when Schefter extrapolated it about Ronnie Bradford's NFL credentials, I think it made more sense to people. But what I have in terms of questions now are pretty defined. So Montana has had now two defensive coordinators since Bobby Howe came back into the fold ahead of the 2018 season. Kent Bear was the D.C., leading up to this last year, and then Ronnie Bradford, the D.C., this last season. How did Montana's defense evolve? Well, I actually think, like in basic principles, I, I, let's, let's restate, in basic formation, in, in base identity, the 3-3-5 stack, largely the same. In terms of the way that that 3-3-5 stack evolved, though, under Ronnie Bradford's play calling, pretty profound. Montana... They brought pressure at a high level again this year, but they did it in from a, a lot of different areas. They their 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 bread and butter go to blitz during the Kent Bear days, particularly when they had Dante Olson, Jace Lewis, and Marcus Wellnell playing inside linebacker, was that double A gap blitz or just just a straight up A gap blitz. Well, part of that I think is personnel rather than the actual guy calling the defense because. Dante Olsen is among the greatest A-gap blitzers I've ever seen. He also goes about 6'3", 235, so he's a, he's a house coming up the middle. Wellnell, though, is also a tremendous blitzer, and so is Jace Lewis, and that's why those guys had tremendous sack and tackle for loss totals, even though they're inside linebackers, which maybe aren't positions that rack up those type of numbers. This year, a lot more of the pressure for uh, the Grizz came off the edge. Riley Wilson was their leader in sacks. And uh, they got a lot more pressure from 
their outside linebacker spot and, and more of their edge spots. They brought some pressure off the edge with the nickel as well. So that's one spot where they diversified. I also thought the coverages on the back end diversified up a huge amount under Coach Bradford. Another huge influence on this is Tim Houck as the defensive analyst. I think he and Ronnie Bradford worked beautifully together last year. Talk about a stacked coaching staff. You have two guys who played more than a decade each in the NFL, who coached in the NFL, and they're both coaching an FCS secondary. To be fair, Tim Houck, not actually coaching. He's just game planning. But you can run some pretty complex stuff, and you can come up with some pretty good ideas when you got two guys that spent most of their lives in the NFL uh, coaching at Montana. So Houck deserves a ton of credit as well. Uh, but Bradford, you can certainly see how the defense diversify. I thought that Montana's defense was a lot better, even if it was less explosive. Maybe not as gaudy of tackle for loss and and sack numbers on a per-game metric this year as maybe the couple years before. But I also thought they gave up way less play uh, big plays. I think the other thing that they really adjusted was the run fit, specifically how they use their strong safety in the run fit. For so long, Robbie Houck was like the third guy in the run fit behind the inside linebackers, and that's why he had 450-plus tackles more than anybody in Big Sky Conference history. Well, without a guy like Houck and his um, strengths in that spot, they certainly put their safeties in coverage quite a bit more. Their safeties, when they rotated, they were playing specific spots instead of rolling through all three safety spots in that 3-3-5. This all, though, brings me to this question, Andrew. It's Nuwaz now here uh, on ESPN Radio. Andrew Houghton chiming in here. We've seen that the 3-3-5, they've, Bobby Houck's talked about it. This is our defense. This is what we're running. This is what we're recruiting to. And they've already had a coordinator change once, and, and they maintained it even though the, the, the actual scheme itself diversified quite a bit, even if the, the base itself stayed the same. Now, a lot of times when you have a turnover like this, you have a talented coach like Bradford leaving, you're thinking, well, that's a huge, this is a huge deal. It's a huge hire for Montana. I tend to think that it is a big hire. I mean, it's a coordinator position for a team that was a runner-up in the FCS. So, I mean, it's certainly a big hire. But I think that the, the, the base of what they're going to do, plus the head man in charge in Bobby Houck, is, is who he is. Coach Houck's run a bunch of different defensive schemes during his time as a head coach. I don't know if it's necessarily the scheme. They're always good on defense. doesn't matter if they're running the old school, you know, base stuff they're running under Craig Paulson in 2007 or the stuff that they're running now. Bobby Houck's always going to have good defensive uh, teams, and I also think that he's always had good defensive coordinators as well. So, um, you know, some people were reaching out to me, hey, is this a panic thing? Should the Grizz be worried about losing a coach this late in the process, especially the play caller? I don't know. I think the system is in place pretty solidly. Uh Ronnie Bradford is a talented coach, but I don't think this is like an SOS situation for the Grizz whatsoever. Yeah, two questions about this. The first being whether you think that the step forward that I think we both think that the Grizz took on defense last year, does that have to do with Ronnie Bradford stepping into the defensive coordinator position, or is it just the natural result of more time and more years in right. this 3-3-5 scheme. Totally. I think it's fair to say that the answer is a little bit of both. Oh, both. It's also the fair result of having, you know, a senior corner in Corbin Walker, a senior nickel in Trajan Cotton, senior safeties in Nash, Fouch, and Garrett Gray. I mean, their whole secondary was senior, so of course you can diversify the coverage a lot more. Like you're mentioning, these guys have been in the program, all of them, for four, five, six years. That's exactly right. And then I guess the second question off of that is, even if you think that Ronnie Bradford – 
was crucial to the defense taking a little bit of a step forward last year. Is it going to be impossible for somebody else to continue what he's done here? And I don't think that the answer is is no. I think that they can get somebody in who can continue the familiarity because they're not getting away from the three three five here. I think that it, right. you would say if they bring in somebody who who is it comes in and says we're going to run a four three now. That would be a bit of a panic move, but I don't think they're going to get away from the three three five. So I think that you can find somebody who can manage to take even another step forward just because of the other stuff that we talked about, the familiarity that everybody has with the defense. And even though the defense isn't going to be quite as experienced next year, that's just the other advantage of being the defensive coordinator at Montana. You're you're retaining guys who know the system, and and it's sort of absorbed through to the younger classes just from, from playing with experienced guys. So even though they don't have quite as much experience next year, they've got guys who have been in the system. We got more free Floco for you. Text us for some free Florence coffee. We got gift cards for you, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Florence Coffee has a couple locations that are open late now. If you need a lift at the end of the day, head on over to the huts on South Reserve and or Brook Street. Both of them now open till 8 p.m. If you go Monday through Friday, get a buy one, get one free here in Missoula. Visit FlorenceCoffeeCo.com or tune in daily here on Nuanas Now for free Floco, 406-888-1029. Text right now. We got free Florence Coffee Company for you uh, yet again here on this Nuanas Now. I actually think that the part of Ronnie Bradford's departure that is maybe of more pressing need for Montana is not necessarily who's going to be the play caller. I think they have a glut of options at play caller, whether they promote internally. I mean, Roger Cooper has been a defensive coordinator uh, in the Big Sky Conference at Idaho State. Um, Tim Houck has been a defensive coordinator at the FBS level and has also coached in the NFL. So I don't know. I have no idea if Tim Houck wants to be a full-time coach or if he's happy with his analyst job and his fly fishing gig on the side. Or, uh, you know, so who knows? But he's certainly a qualified guy. Shan Schillinger is a guy that was uh, in the program for a while that now is the head coach at the University of Mary in North Dakota. But maybe he makes his way back. There's a lot of options here. I actually think the more pertinent and pressing part of this departure is finding a corners coach. Because I think Ronnie Bradford is absolutely no question the best corners coach, the best secondary coach Montana's had in quite some time. Not just during Bobby Houck's return uh, these last several years, but I mean, I don't. I, I think that that Ronnie Bradford is the best DBs coach that the Grizz have had in a decade plus. I'd have to go through and see who actually was the DBs coaches over the years, but he he's really really good at, at that. And I mean, there's the proof's in the pudding, right? I mean, Trevor Granny and Corbin Walker came into this last year, sort of. I mean, Corbin Walker sort of had a name, but was uh, largely a kind of a no-name player. Trevin Gradney was a guy that people around Montana knew because of uh, you know his cr- credentials as a Billings West alum and because he was a great special teams guy. But he just certainly was not a reputable like household name in the big sky. Well, both those guys were first-team all-conference this last year together. And then you talk about the safeties play. I mean, they, they've been lights out at safety the last couple of years, Montana has. So... I think replacing Bradford as a position coach maybe is is as if not more important to uh, to the Grizz uh, in general. When it comes to what Montana needs to do to diversify this the stuff further defensively, I I don't think much. Right? I mean, pundit would say maybe maybe uh, 
producing more pressure off the edge without blitzing, but that's sort of in your identity, right? And the way that they can mix coverages now and cross people up on the back end and how many turnovers they forced and, and all those different things, those um, – I think if you just take the, the presumed next step in terms of continuing to evolve, you'll be just fine. To me, the – the absolute biggest questions are first, finding a cornerbacks coach, but then second, it's just replacing the guys that you lose. How do you replace Alex Gubner, right? I mean, that's that's a pretty tall task. He's a four-year starter. He's the Big Sky Conference Defensive Player of the Year at, as a nose tackle. How do you replace a Corbin Walker, who's a four-year starter, a cover corner on the outside? A guy like Nash Fouch, I thought was underrated during his career at Montana. How do you replace a guy like that? That's going to be the key to me uh, for this Grizz uh Football team. I think it starts with personnel more than it does like what what you're running. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's also sort of the job of the defensive coordinator sure. when you when you come down to it is how do you put what you have in the best position for sure to succeed. And I think uh, the big question is how do they, how do they replace Alex Gubner in the middle of that no defense doubt. because he just set the tone for so much of what they did, and he's also such a unique player. Uh, that it becomes really difficult. You have to you have to replace a ton of production and a ton of production that you can't really find all that readily uh, with the players that you have. So so that'll be interesting, and it'll be I, that's sort of one of the tests of whoever winds up in this job. Can you adjust to what it turns out that you have on the field when September rolls around? The other thing I want to acknowledge here is that it's funny because a lot of times. In talk radio, we're analyzing, we're analyzing, we're analyzing. Around here on Nuanas Now, we try to give credit where credit's due as much as we possibly can. We want this show to be as positive as we possibly can. When there's stuff that maybe isn't up to snuff, isn't up to par, we talk about it. We can be critical at times. Coming out of the 2022 season, we were really sharply critical of the Grizz football team, particularly of their complete lack of creativity and um just doldrums of, of offensive football. Well, we gave credit where credit's due throughout the year, but I got to say it one more time. If you were to give me a checklist of what I thought in, you know, my amateur opinion, Montana needs to change offensively going into this last season, I would have said pretty much across the board, the changes that they made and then those changes worked really well. Montana was by no means some, um, you know, they weren't lighting up the scoreboard, but they had a very functional and uh, sometimes bruising offense. The emergence of Clifton McDowell and uh, his ability in the plus run run game was a big part of it. The, the ability to put the receivers out on the perimeter and, and let those guys make plays. And then, of course, the emergence of Eli Gilman. First, just having the, the fortitude to be like, hey, that's our guy. We got Nick Osmo. We got Xavier Harris. We got guys that have had huge games, huge careers here at Montana. We know what we got. We got this kid who's a transcendent talent in Eli Gilman. Let's roll. And those other guys, Osmo, Harris, they had good years last year too. I think Osmo particularly had a good year in um, somewhat limited duty. But Gilman was a revelation. So from moving Tim Rosabaugh out of offensive coordinator to offensive analyst, Moving Brent Pease into the offensive coordinator chair, reshuffling the offensive staff, having Coach Fennessy work with the tight ends and tackles, having Bryce Erickson move over to the receivers. All the different moves that they made, 
they all worked out really well. Coach Houck deserves a ton of credit for that. Same thing when you have Barry Sachs and Kent Bear retire. Okay, who are you going to bring in? I mean, Kent Bear has more college football experience than any other resume I've ever read for an FCS coach. I mean, the guy had decades of experience before I was even born. He, I mean, he he coached everywhere. He coached at Cal, Stanford, U.S. Uh, Notre Dame, excuse me, uh, at Washington, you know, all across the board. Well, 50 plus years of college football coaching experience for Kent Bear. Well, you replace him with Ronnie Bradford and he somehow upgrade. That's pretty darn good. That's a good hire by Bobby Houck. So then when it comes to this, uh, I think that Bobby Houck has a pretty tried and true uh, track record of making correct, adequate, good hires that are the best thing for the program moving forward. And then I also think that if you were to look at this Grizz team and say, okay, Where's somewhere where we need to get better? How do where do we absolutely have to get better if we're not going to fall short like they did in the national championship game uh, against South Dakota State? Well, I think that the two places where South Dakota State was unequivocally better than Montana were on the offensive line and in the quarterback room. Mark Gronowski is the Walter Payton Award winner. He's the best quarterback in the United States of America at the FCS level. The dude is lights out. I mean, he's lost one game against FCS competition in his entire career. So are you going to have a guy that's better than him next year? Probably not, but you need to have a guy that's a lot closer to him than what Montana had. Well, they brought in Lucas Pye from Fresno State. They got Keali Liayat in the program, who's supposed to be an up-and-comer. So that's a TBD. We'll see where that goes. But I do think that Brett Pease is a great quarterback's coach. I mean, Coach Dave Dickinson, for God's sakes. He also coached Kellen Moore. He's, he's done it at the highest level. Some of the most successful quarterbacks in, in uh, I mean, truly in college football history in terms of their win-loss records. So I expect that to, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a wait and see. But, but they, they have the, the, the pieces to at least move forward uh, in that element. The other move that they made, don't know is now ESPN Radio. It's our Monday afternoon quarterback, probably presented by Stockman Bank. Stockman Bank is Montana's brand of banking. They have more than 40 locations throughout the state of Montana. They're in Montana, only in Montana, and they plan on keeping it that way. Joe Pollock is the new uh, offensive line coach at Montana. This has been, uh, we've talked about it a little bit, but we need I think we need to hash it out a little bit more. He replaces Chad Germer, who's been uh, in and out as the offensive line coach forever at Montana. Germer was a, a great All-American caliber player for the Grizz in the early 1990s. Then he came back to Montana for the first time as a coach under Mick Dennehy. Then he went with Joe Glenn to Wyoming. Then he hooked up with uh, Bobby Houck at UNLV. He came back to Montana in between that, by the way. The point is, rather than giving the whole timeline of Chad Gerber, he came and went to, from his alma mater a, a lot, for a long time, but he's been at Montana as the offensive line coach since uh, the last season under Bob Stitt and then into the first year here um, with Bobby Houck, so the last handful of years here with Bobby Houck. Gerber um, had some good offensive lines. In fact, had some great offensive lines, especially earlier on in his career. I think there's a lot of stuff that was maybe uh, that went against Coach Gerber in terms of why the uh, the excellence on the offensive front was maybe a little bit unsustainable. All that said, all the circumstances you can talk until you're blue in the face. Montana was good on the offensive line last year. They were better on the offensive line last year than they had been in previous years. They still were not as good as you need to be. And I know I sound like a broken record on this, and I hear from people all the time, 
people say, well, why are you always so critical of the Grizz offensive line? Because to beat the teams you have to beat in the FCS, whether that's your in-state rival in Montana State, or more importantly, it's South Dakota State and North Dakota State, those are the two juggernauts that stand in your way. Where are those two teams beating everybody on the offensive line? How are they doing it? Recruitment, development, elite talent. North Dakota State has six, count them, six guys that are former offensive linemen that start in the NFL. Start, not just on NFL rosters, that are starting NFL offensive linemen. I bet you there's not very many schools in the whole country that can say that, FBS or FCS. South Dakota State, they've had a couple guys get shots. They got two guys from last year's offensive line, Mason McCormick and Garrett Greenfield, that have been tearing apart the offseason circuit right now. I think both those guys are absolutely going to get on NFL rosters. One or both of them might even get drafted. That's where Montana needs to be. The Grizz, again, good on the offensive line this last year. I'd say they were, I don't know, one of the two or three best offensive lines in the in the Big Sky Conference. You got to be one of the two or three best offensive lines in the country if you want to be able to compete with the Dakota schools. And is that on Chad Germer? I'm not saying that it is. I just think that fresh blood, fresh um, ideas, that, that's just the way college football works. It's no one person's fault. But if you were to diagnose, okay, we just went 13-2. and two. We won the Big Sky Conference. We, went, we won 10 games in a row. We went to the national championship. Where are the places we need to get better? Quarterback, offensive line. How do you get better on the offensive line aside from just the talent challenges? And, and Montana's going to have challenges coming into next year because they lose – all-league center, A.J. Forbes, multiple-year starter at left tackle, and Chris Walker, Hunter McGinnis, who was a first-team All-League player two years ago before uh, sort of falling out of favor during his senior year. You got Brandon Casey coming back as a first-team All-League guy at right tackle. You got Journey Grimsrud, Liam Brown, Cannon Panfloff, who've all played good reps at the interior guard positions. Kakila Lincoln is a guy that I think they're high on internally. Declan McCabe has played in games as well. So you got some bodies, you got some names. Maybe it's just a matter of having a new voice. That's the part, though, is they've done a good job, Montana has, of identifying offensive line talent, especially in the portal. The development has been the thing that has been a far cry from how it was in the past. And again, a lot of that's circumstantial. A lot of it has to do with the guys that are or aren't coming out of the state of Montana, the developmental projects you can get as far as in-state offensive linemen. There's a whole bunch of different factors that goes into that. But... In terms of developing like a first-team all-league type of guy, Brandon Casey's the first one in quite some time as far as a guy the Grizz recruited out of high school and then turned into one of the best offensive linemen in the conference. If if you're going to lean on the circumstances, then you also have to look at your peers, NDSU, South Dakota State, Montana State, Weber State. These teams are all recruiting from the high school ranks and developing. So I have no idea what Joe Pavlak, Pavlak is going to be like as the offensive line coach at Montana. I've also appreciated a lot of the conversations and time we've spent uh, and had with Chad Germer. But I, I, I'm, again, not surprised that this move was made. And uh, Coach Germer's uh, moving on to other opportunities, so there was an opening organically anyways. But Pollock comes from North Dakota. He's coached some really good offensive lines there at UND. They had a guy go to the NFL in recent years. So he checks, at least on the resume, quite a few of the boxes uh, that Montana probably wants uh, in its offensive line coach. So as now, ESPN Radio, of course, we're kicking the can down the road when it comes to analyzing the Bobcat coordinators. But we'll do that during tomorrow's show.
Football to basketball. You want tickets? We got tickets. Thursday night's game here in Missoula. The Montana men's basketball team hosts Sacramento State. You want tickets? Call us right now. 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Quickest to the draw. We got you. Sac State at Montana. 406-888-1029. We'll take you home on the other side. Right after this. Keep it right here. You want us now. ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. I can safely say we never played that song on the show again. Judging by uh, these guys, I don't know. I don't, we never played it before. I don't think we're ever going to play it again. That's okay, though. It was good once. <laughs> little CNC Music Factory going to make you sweat. Early 1990s Jack Jams tracks all, all day long here on Nuanas now. They got it stuck in my head. They play a little bit on the at the... Uh, Rivalry game between Montana and Montana State on Saturday. So then I was like, well, give me some jock jams. Went and looked up volume one. There we are. <laughs> Truly amazing. Hope you're having a great start to your week. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. This is Nuanas Now. If you missed anything in the show, you can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is proudly presented by Schulte Law. Visit jschultilaw.com or follow uh, Dwight Schulte and his team on Instagram. They have legal tips of the day from time to time. You can also find those uh, on uh, our YouTube properties as well. The Nuance Now podcast also probably presented by the M Store, where they're all grizz all the time. Visit them here in Missoula, corner of Broadway and Higgins, or MontanaMStore.com. And presented by the Montana State Bookstore. Your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day, visit msubookstore.org or swing by on the MSU campus if you're in Bozeman. A fun show today. We'll talk more uh, college football because why not tomorrow. I do have some thoughts, and uh, I want to get some more Andrew's thoughts on the offensive line coach change there at Montana as well. And uh, also I have some thoughts on Montana State's coordinator changes there uh, under Brent Vegan. So we'll do uh, some of that tomorrow. I'll also be catching up on some prep stuff as well. Um, I got the, the schedule for the, the week pretty much all planned out. Wednesday, Crystal Redpath will be in studio for Around the Big Sky Women's Hoops this week, presented by our great friends at Ryan and Miller Law. Uh, we'll also have a, a TBD ESPN roundtable, but... Uh, Maybe we'll talk some uh, NCAA video games because uh, that's something I'm uh, pretty intrigued in. Thursday, we'll have a pretty normal Big Sky and high school basketball slate. Friday, Rajim Seabrook will be in. But tomorrow, I I don't know, it's still TBD. We'll talk some college football for sure. We'll have our Treasure State Stars. But I might let these guys have one last little crack at at one of the longer segments on the show as well. Uh, For those wondering, I'm, I'm pretty much back at it. You know, the the newborn's still new, so uh, I have to be available uh, from time to time. But uh, I'm going to be back here more often than I have been these last couple weeks. So thanks for that. Thanks to these guys for uh, their continued uh, support and for jumping on the mic as well. And uh, thanks so much to all you guys for continuing to, to listen on. But we'll have a whole around the wide world of high school sports update for you. We uh, continue to have more playoff positioning. We've got some district tournament results from over the weekend as well. We'll continue these college football conversations, and uh, we'll just have a whole bunch of fun. Appreciate you for being here. Happy Monday, everybody. Thanks so much, and I promise we'll have better music tomorrow. <laughs> this has been Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio. Have yourself a wonderful Monday evening, and be good.
Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that yeah. might, it must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with their shirt it. on, and it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now at <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time.